trust and pray that you are well. This is your girl, Vicki Kemp, Lady V. Thank you for joining in on the podcast, Saving Our Sisters. Hey, Shooks. I'm doing great. I'm doing wonderful. I'm yet standing in faith that God is about to remedy and heal the world, the entire world. Isn't that something? It's just not in my neighborhood. It's just not in your neighborhood, but it is the entire world that we are all experiencing COVID-19. I'd like to first say thank you for subscribing. Thank you for also inviting another Suge, another sister to join in on the conversation. Continue to be a support, continue to be a help, and We're just going to grow together and we're going to learn more together as a Hey Suge family. How about that? But anyway, today I'm excited because in my prayer time, I was thinking about our students, our babies, our kindergartners, elementary, high school, even college, what they may be experiencing with COVID-19. How has this affected them in education? Parents are now called upon to be educators in their homes. And for many, this has been challenging. So I have a young lady I want to introduce to the world. Her name is Camille Seymour. It seems like just yesterday that Camille and my daughter Alexandria were rivals on the court of basketball. It was Independence High School against Ridgeview High School. Now, Camille, fast forward, she is living in Washington, D.C. as a passionate educator, very intelligent. God has literally transformed her life to be a trendsetter. She's a go-getter. And we're going to call her. I want to interview her. I want to pick her brain. I want to see how she feels about education right now and the effects that COVID-19 has on her students in Washington, D.C., and how we can join in to help kids around the world in our neighborhood. But first, let me just read a little bit about Camille. Camille is passionate about education, racial equality, and policy. She is a TFA alumni. Camille currently teaches special education at Wheatley Education Campus in Northeast Washington, D.C. Prior to teaching in D.C., Camille worked as an educator and community advocate in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Her classroom experience in Oklahoma inspired her to work with Stand for Children, a national nonprofit where she served as a community campaign organizer during the 2018 Oklahoma Teacher Walkout. How amazing. 
Additionally, while teaching, Camille established a student mentor group at her school called Girls Only, in which she mentored young girls of color around self-esteem and confidence. So right now, we're gonna give her a phone call, okay? And we're going to introduce Camille to the world, and I pray, and I am confident that she is about to bless you with the experience and the knowledge she has in the area of education. Hold on, I'm calling her now. Hey, Shook. How are you? Hey, Shook. Hi. Good. good. Thank you for joining in on the conversation with Saving Our Sisters. Of course. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad you're here and I have introduced you to the world, girl. First, Uh (laughs) how are you doing today? Okay, okay, I like it, and hopefully, I will get to visit you soon in Washington, D.C. Yes, so Camille, tell the world, tell my shugs a little bit about yourself. I've read your bio already, girlfriend. It's funny, I told them how (laughs) you and Alexandra used to be rivals on the court in basketball, and now God has just fast-forwarded your life to where you are an educator, and you're passionate right now about just making change in the lives of so many children. So just, can we just hear a little bit about how you're feeling right now? Hey, so did you want me to answer how I got into education first? Do you want me to start there? No, or... just tell us just a little, some funny things about yourself. And oh, okay. Just... Um, well, I live in Washington, D.C. now. I teach at Wheatley Education Campus. I teach fourth and fifth grade special education. Oh, um, and fourth and fifth grade. I... Yes, I teach fourth and fifth grade. Um, I've been living in D.C. now almost a year, and I love it. Before I moved here, I was living in Tulsa, Oklahoma, finishing an alternative teaching program. Um, But now I'm here in D.C. Um, I'm currently getting my master's at American University in education, leadership, and policy. Okay, so education, leadership, and policy. Tell us about that. So what do you um, inspire to do with that degree? That's a great question. So I'm really, I've always been a special education teacher. This is my fourth year. Um, I'm hoping to get into special education policy, specifically around teacher development for special education teachers. Mm, Um, Okay. It can be kind of difficult working as a special education teacher in public schools because there isn't always like a lot of support. So I'm hoping to kind of bridge my experiences and my passions for policy to really elevate the special education teacher profession. Oh, that's amazing. So you just really desire to create change at a different level. Yes. That's really, really good, Camille. I'm so I'm so proud of you. Um, you're so awesome. And I, I like the fact that you are young. You are a millennial and you are passionate about what you do. I had stated before, before I called you that In my prayer time, I was concerned about the effects that COVID-19 is currently having on our students. Parents now are called upon to be educators. And I was like, that's difficult. How do you feel about that? 
which we can't change it. There's nothing we can do about it right now because this, I say this demonic thing in the earth is running rampant, but how do you feel? How does that look for you in parents taking on that responsibility? Yeah. So if anything, I feel like it shows the value of a teacher, right? I feel like sometimes when you tell someone you're a teacher and educator, they don't really understand fully what you do. And so Mm. now we see that parents are kind of assuming these roles as the teacher and they're like, well, this is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Like, this actually is very difficult work to do. How are you able to sustain a classroom full of children and teach each individual child? And so I'll start there and say, at first, I think people are realizing, like, all that teachers do and how much we put into our students. Okay. And I would also just want to add, like, for parents out there that are right now, Um, distance teaching, I would just say give yourself some grace because this is not something you went to school for and this is not something you've been formally trained to do and that's the job and the role of an educator, right? And so I would extend grace to all of those parents who are now finding themselves in this position. It's tough right now. I talked to a young lady, Camille, and she said to me, she said, I've kicked my kids out of homeschool every day this week. (laughs) And I was like, she said, they don't listen. I can't get their attention. And she was panicking. She was panicking. So how would you encourage that parent to just start start from the ground floor of getting that child's attention? I mean, it's a lot, right? And so I would say this is like a very unique situation because not only are you now doing homeschool, but you're doing it during a pandemic. And so one thing right. that we made to do at our school is to really tell parents, like, we understand the position that you're in. This is not something we would have ever asked a parent to do. But also, these are kids, and we are trying to meet the needs during a pandemic. And the most important thing is making sure that your child is healthy and safe, right? And learning will come. And there's been instances where there's been natural disasters, and kids are so resilient, and they're able to go to school the next year and still pick up where they left off. And so I would just tell parents, relax. It's going to be okay. Your children are so resilient and smart. And everything will be, like, it'll work out just to know that this is a pandemic for a reason, right? And so just extend yourself some grace. Yeah, I like that. Extend yourself some grace. That's very encouraging. Thank you. So, Camille, what are some of the disparities that students are facing that you have experienced, like in your class and also within the two schools that you've taught at? Yeah, So I would say um, there have been disparities that have been really exasperated by COVID-19. And these are disparities that we already knew existed. It's just now public knowledge. You know, people are really seeing what students are going through. Um, In my personal experience, one, a barrier that we've had with my school district is just like access to technology and Wi-Fi and hotspots and home stability and knowing that Several of our students don't have the access to technology. They don't have Wi-Fi. They might be living or staying with a grandparent while their parents are working, and that grandparent might speak a different language, and they're not able to help them with their work, right? So it's like several different things, and I think what this pandemic has shown is that we education has shifted to really where teachers were expected to teach to a test and 
in the conversations that I've had and the readings that I've done, that's not even on the forefront of people's mind. What's on the forefront of people's mind is just educating the child, getting them to retain some of the skills that they've learned throughout the school year. But wow, just to reiterate, it is, it is um, disheartening to see how many students don't have the access to learning at home that some other kids might. And we might still see like an education gap because of that. That's really interesting in that. And I don't think people really realize. And that is, those are huge disparities. And like you say, the the grandparent may speak a different language. I never even thought about that. Yeah. You know, we have wow. we teach students, if you work in a public school, you have students that um, come from all different types of backgrounds. And I have taught ch- children who have um, who receive special education services and their first language is Spanish and their parents speak Spanish or a different language. And so sometimes there is a language barrier with trying to tell the parent, like, this is where this student is and needs support in, but also translating that into a different language right. presents way more challenges. Right. Wow. In our previous conversations, you talked to me about Title I schools. Tell us a little bit about, you know how we always hear these terms being thrown out, but we never really, a lot of parents don't know what that means. What is a Title I school? So Title I is a large source of federal funding for education. Okay. Um, And it simply means that those funds are used solely to help ensure that children, regardless of income, have the opportunity to obtain quality education and become academically proficient. Um. Mm. And so Title One, when you ever you hear someone reference the Title One school, it's likely that most of most, if not all, of the students at that school come from economically disadvantaged backgrounds. Gotcha. That's really okay, great information. Okay. So it's a benefit. Um, it's it's a benefit. I mean, you're teaching children like I said, you're teaching children that come from economically disadvantaged backgrounds. Okay. So those Okay, so every school, let me understand something. So every school does not have Title I funding. Correct. Oh, now that's a that's a disparity, right? It is a disparity. Okay. Um, but again, like I said, those funds are used to kind of bridge what other schools. So have, parents, okay, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. bridge what other schools have. Have. Um, Okay. Not every school is created equal. And so depending on what zip code you live in is the type of education you'll receive. And so if you work at a Title I school and most, if not all, of your students come from economically disadvantaged backgrounds, it's likely that they're living in poverty, right? As opposed to if you go to a more affluent zip code where everyone's parents are making six figures and they're able to fund the parent-teacher association with hundreds of thousands of dollars and equip their school that way mm-hmm. title one funding would then make up that disparity or it's it's designed to wow so some wow some children i'm trying to be careful because we're talking to the world so it's, it kind of could be seen like unfair but what could Absolutely. you do you know like unfair like this child on this zip code zip code will be able to gain more and receive more where this zip code gets less. 
So that's very disheartening and that's a huge disparity. So maybe in our new, in our near future, I don't know, the government, maybe Camille, when you begin to write these policies, you can write that in. (laughs) That uh, we will be equal. All students will get equal education. How do you feel about that? How do you, how does that rest on your heart as an educator? Um, I mean, like, I, I, well, I went into education knowing that it wasn't, it's not equal by any means. And that mm, okay. we have some serious problems facing our public education system in the United States. And it's going to take almost a paradigm shift to truly ensure that we provide equitable, not equal, equitable education to all oh, students. Equitable, gotcha. Um, mm-hmm. But it's something to work towards, and I hope in my child's lifetime that certainly becomes true. But for now, it is the reality that we face that the education in this system in, in America is it's not equitable. Wow. So yes, I like how you say in our reality because it is our reality, and I'm sure you've had instances where you've witnessed or helped students. I noticed in the past how you have helped students where you did the GoFundMe to get um, supplies and um, supports to your Pacific classroom because that particular school didn't have it to offer that student. It's called Donors Choose. It's, It's like GoFundMe, but it's specifically designed for teachers. And because... Oftentimes we go into, you know, there's a classroom that there's a picture that often circulates like on Facebook or Twitter and it'll show a, an actual blank classroom because that's what we inherit. That's what we see is in reality, we get a blank classroom and we are supposed to then fund those classrooms. And so if you ever go into a school and you see these beautifully decorated classrooms that likely came from the pockets of a teacher um sometimes schools can offer support you know with five fifty to one hundred dollars but more than likely teachers are using their own money to make sure that their classroom fosters a warm environment for students to come into wow and so whenever you see donors choose campaigns those are teachers that are like hey you know what? i want to enhance the learning of my child my students, I want additional technology or I would love to send my kids on this field trip or to have a guest speaker come in. I just can't afford, you know, to be coming out of my pocket every month to do it. And so then we do have programs and websites like Donors Choose that are amazing and they help really supplement uh, resources for teachers. Oh, that's incredible. That's incredible. And what and what a blessing. So you as an individual teacher are expected to fund your classroom and that's where the passion comes in at wanting your student to thrive and to learn and to be in a healthy environment that's beautiful Mm -hmm. that's beautiful and then first lady and so interesting because whenever you go to the dentist or the doctor those professionals are not expected to pay for, you know, <laughs> right. the supplies that they need to service you or to serve you. They're, you don't you don't go to a dentist and expect them to be able to provide and buy the fluoride for all of the patients that will be coming through. So why are we expecting teachers to to offset the cost 
of almost everything they need in their classroom. Exactly. Now that's a good analogy. <laughs> that's a really good analogy, but it's facts. That's another reality. So I'm hoping in the near future change can happen because it's it's facts that every teacher don't have the finances. And that's why you do have those supports in place where people can give and people can be a support financially to help teachers fund the classroom. Wow. That's 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 terrible. But it's beautiful at the same time, you know. So let me ask you this, as an educator now, while we are out in our homes, what are you doing for your students as a teacher? Now, world, hey, Shugs out there, Camille started a YouTube channel. <laughs> and Camille, I was so excited to see you teaching your students on YouTube a book. What, what were you doing? What was that called? What type of teaching oh, was that so called? I have, um, I do, yes, I, so I started this YouTube channel. It was really out of my comfort zone, but it was a way to, you know, bridge a gap for some of my students who didn't have computers, but they could access their parents' phones. And I don't know how they always find a way to get on YouTube. So that's kind of just where the <laughs> idea came from. I, it's so new. I only have two videos on there so far, but my students' parents have texted me and like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. Thank you so much. Um, and so I recently I, just I think did it's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> I recently did um, like a close reading lesson of cause and effect on um, a Nigerian folktale. And so I was able to use some of the background history um, from Nigeria and show students, you know, some of their different, the food that they eat in Nigeria and that Nigeria is a country in the continent of Africa. Sometimes they get confused and think that Africa is the country. Oh, okay. And they're fourth so and fifth graders. Fourth and fifth graders. Fourth yeah. and fifth graders. I know you miss them, right? Of course. Yeah, I, I know you I miss them. I just got the fun with one of them. Wow. So are you allowed to have access, personal access with the student? Um, we have, so you mean like Zooming or? Yeah, Zooming or can they call you? Because, you know, we're out of class. We're in the home mm -hmm. setting. So how much access do the student have to you? It, it honestly just depends on the student. Um, a co-teacher and I, we don't call students privately, right? Just because gotcha. it's just not best Yeah, practices. yeah, you got to be careful. Um, we will call children or students together and we'll be able to Zoom them or um, communicate with them on Microsoft Teams, which is another platform that we're our, our district is using. Um, or okay, okay. depending on the relationship that I have with some of the parents, I'm able to FaceTime several of my kids with their parents, you know, present, of course. Mm -hmm. So it just depends. It just depends on the student and what they have available. Okay. So I've, um, witnessed Zoom. So what was that other name? Microsoft Teams. Microsoft Teams. Okay. That's a mm -hmm. great teaching source as well. This is just awesome. So Camille, what are your concerns that hit close to your heart in your private or, moments with, in regards to your students and how you feel? Are you afraid that they're regressing? Um, are they maintaining? Yeah, that's 
that's a great question. So I think every educator kind of deals with, you know, you pour so much into your students throughout the year. And right. they will be able to retain all that you've taught and poured into them for the upcoming year. And regression is real. It really is. If students aren't interacting or engaging with content or discussion or dialogue with their peers every day, right. then they're kind of losing. You fear that they will lose those skills. But I'm also so confident because, like I said, kids are so resilient and they're able to bounce back from things without missing a beat. And so at this time during COVID-19, my biggest concern is that they're just safe and that they they're okay and that they are in places that, you know, they're they're being loved on and that. They several of our several students I work with kind of deal with mental illness and anxiety and so yeah. I, I honestly just pray that they're in a good state of mind and that they're healthy yes and so school that's will so important that's so important yes I like the fact that you say that you just want them healthy and their mental health right now is so important because a lot of kids they don't understand what's going on they don't understand why do I have to stay in the house why can't I go to school mm-hmm. you know so I'm just praying that God would remedy this like quickly, quickly. But it's unfortunate that the kids will be out of school, I believe, till the next school year. Yeah. So do you as an educator in Washington, D.C., will will you be having summer programs or school is just out for the summer? That is something, it's funny that you say that our mayor just um, released that our district will now end a little earlier. We're going to be getting out May 29th, so, but it'll be through the duration of this distance learning. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know and haven't heard yet whether or not our district will have summer school or even what that will look like at this point, so I'm not sure. Okay, okay. Yeah, I think it's every... Everywhere is different depending on your governor or where you live. So we're just hopeful that these students are resilient and we decree and declare that they will be okay by faith. Camille, in reading your bio, tell us a little bit about your girls only group. I think that was amazing. I can remember when you first started that group. Tell us about that and and the outcome of you starting that girls group it's called girls only it is it was amazing so unfortunately I didn't bring it to my school this year it was my first year at my school that I currently work at and so I wanted to kind of just get to know my kids but I did start a girls mentor group at my previous school and I taught fifth through sixth grade I, okay. I'm sorry I taught fourth fifth and sixth grade and I was working at a school where most of the children were children of color, but that wasn't represented with, you know, our school staff. I was one of the only teachers of color at my school. I believe there were two or three um, black teachers. Mostly everyone that worked in the school building was white, which was a vast difference from um, my very first school that I worked at. And so I wanted to just create a safe space for girls that I was working with at the school that just had somewhere they could just be themselves. And we talked a lot about, you know, self-esteem and what it meant to be a young girl of color and how to like walk in that authority. And it was amazing. I love that. It was amazing. By the end of the year, we were able to go on a field trip um, 
there was also a boys mentor group at our school too that kind of was uh, created around the same goal just empowering these children of color and giving them a safe a safe space to come and just be themselves and um truly be able to like open up right and that's important that's is especially right now it's necessary it's, yeah so did you see the results how was the results of that group you created I mean, I have videos from the very first time we had a meeting. We would meet during lunch, and girls would be very shy or timid. Or um, I set norms about how everyone in this space is welcome, and it will be a safe place because, you know, when you're in fourth or fifth grade, you're still dealing with that, like, I don't like this girl or that girl. Like, right. For whatever reason. And so I was very clear to be like, we're not going to be having those types of interactions right. during this time because right. I want you guys to all feel like, you have somewhere to go yeah and that's the ages when those hormones are starting to kick in but by the end of the year by the end of the semester it was so beautiful we did an activity where um it's kind of like a human puzzle everyone Mm -hmm. was intertwined and Mm -hmm. they had to hold hands and they to find a way to unravel themselves um just using verbal, just talking to each other, right? So they were in these weird, odd positions, and they had to work as a group. And these are girls where three months prior, they didn't even want to look at each other. But by the end of that time, they were working as a group to unravel and work as, like, this human puzzle. And it was so cool to see. Wow. Now, see, that's that's positivity. If women could do that, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Come as a little child to be better. That's wonderful, Camille. So you have been teaching now four years? This your fourth year? Yeah. That's wonderful. And so you're going to continue as a teacher? Yeah, I'm going to continue until I'm called to do otherwise. Right now, I love the school that I'm at. And so I'm looking forward to next school year. And I'm hoping that COVID-19 just goes away. um, Disappear. Yeah, it'll be my fifth year, and I'm really excited. I love I love the school that I'm at now. I'm excited for you, and prayerfully, you can start that girls-only group at Wheatley Education Campus. That would be wonderful, That's, especially, yeah. girl, we're in D.C., Washington. <laughs> <laughs> so that would just be amazing. I'm so proud of you. I thank you for joining in on Saving Our Sisters podcast. Keep going. I love your passion. I love your sacrifice. Thank you for educating the world on today. I'm going to be uploading your contact information where they can reach you. You are on Instagram and your YouTube channel and also on Facebook. Hello, Millie. So her Instagram is H-E-L-L-O-M-I-L-L-I-E underscore. That's where you can find her. But I will upload that to the podcast. But thank you. So thank you. Yeah, I appreciate you just wanting to be a part of saving our sisters. And you continue. You keep soaring, soaring, girl. Keep being your best self. So in closing, I hate to leave you, (laughs) but I will see you soon. What could you say to close us out? In far as far to parents, what could you? How would you encourage your parents and clo- a parent in closing? In closing, extend yes. yourself some. <laughs> Again, okay. you now you know we got to make that a T-shirt. Extend yourself 
some grace. That grace is amazing, isn't it? It overflows. So thank you, and I'll be in touch with you soon, okay? Thank you, First Lady. You're welcome. Have an amazing day in D.C. <laughs> Bye-bye, Shu. That was a wonderful interview with Camille Seymour. Thank you for joining in on the podcast today, Saving Our Sisters. Stay blessed, stay prayerful, stay hydrated, and stay in faith. Until the next time, my shoes. Blessings. Hey, shoes.